Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched a movie talking about Toy Story 3. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? Absolutely. Toy Story 3, the third in the Toy Story franchise, of which so far there are three. (laughs) What? Is that funny for some reason? Carry on. So Toy Story 3 is a 2010 movie. It was, it's a Pixar movie directed by Lee Unkrich, written by Michael Arndt, and along with John Lasseter and Andrew Stanton, who wrote the first two movies. It stars the voices from the first two movies, which are Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, John Cusack, Don Rickles, Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberger. It includes new people, Ned Beatty and Michael Keaton, as well as Jodie Benson. If you don't know the plot of Toy Story 3, Paul is going to tell it to you right now. (laughs) Indeed I am. You're mixing it up. I am, just for fun. That's, that's, I approve, but let's do that. (laughs) Andy has grown up and is ready to go to college, and the few of his toys that he still has are worried about what's going to happen to them. He packs Woody to come with him to college, and the rest to go off to storage in the attic. But through a series of mishaps, they all accidentally end up at a preschool, Sunnydale. I want to say Sunnydale, but that doesn't sound right. It's definitely not Sunnydale. That's the high school from Buffy. Let's call it Sunnydale. It's Sunnyside. They end up at Sunnydale Preschool. This preschool seems idyllic at first, but soon the toys realize that it is run by a tyrannical dictator named Lotso Huggin' Bear. With Woody's help, the toys escape and return to Andy, who decides to give them, instead of storing them in the attic, give them to a little girl whose mother works at the daycare. And that's the story of Toy Story 3. All right. A lot of the movie is a prison break, so in terms of summarizing the plot of the movie, like for a lot of the story, they try to escape from the prison and then succeed. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I forgot to mention um, Slinky Dog had been played in the fir- previous two movie two movies by Jim Barney, mm-hmm. who he passed away in, uh, in 2000. Mm-hmm. So he's replaced in this movie. I was going to ask you, who is the voice of Slinky Dog and replacing Jim Barney? His name is Blake Clark. I remember when this movie came out that there was uh, questions about whether they would include Slinky Dog and the producers, like, wondered whether it would be more respectful to just write the character out or what they would do. But mm-hmm. And they had an easy out. They could yeah. have very easily had him just not be there anymore, just like Bo Peep isn't there anymore. Yeah. And others as well. So objectively, highlights, lowlights, what's, what's this movie doing? What's it like? I think... This is a very high quality movie. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the places I want to start is in writing as a highlight. I think yeah. this is a movie with, uh, as I said, a lot of the plot is they enter essentially a jail and then break out of the jail. So for a lot of the movie, not much more happens than that. But having said that, it's fun to watch. It's easy to follow their plan, but it seems like a really clever plan. Mm-hmm. It's which is harder than I imagine. I've never written one, but I imagine hard to do to write a plan that seems really clever but is not too convoluted to easily follow. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I just think this movie has a lot of pieces that all click into place exactly where they need to. Um, that's quite well written. It is. It's got a lot of funny moments, too. Yeah. It's got the, like, the Lincoln Logs joke. It's got the, like, Ken and Barbie interactions that are really funny. It's got... The visual gag of Mr. Tortilla Head. Yes. That's the next one I was going to say is a lot of visual gags as well that are clever. 
and not just repeating previous movies, it builds on them. Yeah, for sure. That being said, I this is love lower quality than Toy Story 2, I believe. Make that case. The case for Toy Story 2 being better is the introduction of new characters, the twist of the prospector, unlike the prospector and lots of hug and bear seem to have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. And the prospector was done better, I think. Toy Story 2 just has a lot more going for it. It's still, Andy's still a child, and Toy Story 3 feels like a wrap-up and a lot of sentiment. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that I do love that, it maybe is a bit too much and a bit too, and it also is scarier than the previous two movies. There's like high tension There's yeah, in the ending, especially. High tension and some contrived chase scene type action that I never enjoy. And I think I there's know. a... I'm, you are going to disagree that the, it's contrived? Yeah. Which part do you consider contrived? The whole journey into the the fire contractor, uh, trash fire thing. I don't think that's contrived. Incinerator. That's the word I'm looking for. You don't think that's contrived? <laughs> it goes on for so long. They're like, they're running and then they're on the magnets and then they're going to press the button and then they don't and then they get saved by the claw and it just like but there's always a i i could agree to disagree um i see that scene as uh maybe could have dropped one step but every step is accomplishing something different because there's they're running and they're in this danger then they discover that lots of hugging bear is there and there's a moment of moral uh decision where Woody decide you know is going to help him or not and Woody does it without even considering it goes to help him and then there's the moment where they are back in peril and lots of hug and bear seems like he's redeemed and is going to help them to pay back Woody for helping him and then lots of hug and bear uh stabs them in the back which if you've ever seen a movie you kind of see coming but it still is uh I think lands mm -hmm. And then they go over the edge and it's like how the, the tension increases. And then we have the claw saves the day. I don't know. I feel like every set, every uh, set piece in that chase has a different purpose and is accomplishing it. I hear what you're saying, but I still feel like it goes on too long. Maybe the slide down after they get off the treadmill and they're sliding down the garbage heap. Yeah. Is a little long. I think I agree there are there is more happening in Toy Story 2. Uh I'm not sure that that is clearly an advantage of Toy Story 2. I think it repeats it also repeats bangs the same drum of buzz Somehow losing his memory, losing himself, being the same old Buzz as the first movie. And that was kind of clever in the second movie. In the third movie, it's just tiresome. Yeah. And I, Spanish I, Buzz is pretty funny. I really like Spanish Buzz. Agreed. I think that is clever and cute. But Buzz being not himself for so much of the movie. Again. Again. Yeah. Was I'll grant you tiring. that. I'll grant you that. I think uh, the voice actors are all doing a really good job in this movie. Yes, absolutely. Uh, across the board, Yeah, I think. Uh, it was fun to have the addition of people like Kristen Schaal. Yeah. I recognize her voice for sure. As one of the, she's one of the dinosaurs. Um, and some, yeah, the Lots of Hug and Bear. Uh, Michael Keaton as Ken. I didn't recognize was, his voice at all. I didn't, recognize, I didn't recognize his voice at all either, but he is fantastic. Ken is great in this movie, and Michael Keaton does a great job as him. The animation continues to, I think, uh, in technological terms, the animation continues to improve mm -hmm. in every movie. Yeah, And so absolutely. the textures on all the toys are even one step better in this movie than they were in two. 
yeah. which was better than they were in one. Yeah, absolutely. I particularly noticed like Bullseye. Mm. You can really see what texture Bullseye is in this movie. And mm-hmm. in Toy Story 2, you couldn't so much. That's really true. I noticed it with the new um, the Fisher-Price chatter phone mm-hmm. that appears in this movie that I don't know how many of our listeners had this phone, but to me, that's like every person had this phone. I had this phone. You yep. had this phone. Yep. Every like church nursery that I've ever been to has that Fisher-Price phone. And so it had like all the texture, all the... It was the exact phone. It was amazing to me. It was. How, how good that was. Greed, for sure. It was funny that I almost brought that up. We were talking last week about Toy Story 1. I was talking about how many of the toys in that room are toys that I was familiar with. And I, I, I almost said, all that's missing is the Fisher-Price chatter phone. Forgetting yeah. that it's in this movie that he appears. Pretty great. It's pretty I love great. It. Yep. Anything else? We disagree about the writing a bit, I think. Uh, Anything else you think is particularly well done in this movie? That you want to draw attention to? I feel like I've said everything, but I'm trying to think of more. I mean, it's just a great movie. It's Toy Story, and Toy Story is good. All three of them are really well done. And... I mean, I complained about the sentiment, but really, I do think it's beautifully done in having Andy grow up and mm-hmm. having a, a new a new peril, a new emotion for these toys that we've loved for so long yeah. to face something new and face the inevitability of time that they started to face in Toy Story 2. And you really get to see what happens in Toy Story 3. Yep. And I mean, for us who saw like Toy Story 1 was 94, Toy Story 2 was 99. Like for us, that those were like our teenage years. We saw this. And then to have the latest one come out in 2010 when we'd already had two kids by then. Yeah. And so for that to come out and go like, oh, man. These toys, this is like real time that Andy has grown up. Yep. Ugh, it's really sad. Yeah, I agree. And maybe we'll talk, maybe the appropriate time is in the, how much did you enjoy it about the sentiment and whether it's uh, overdone or not. So I'll maybe hold off right now when we're trying to be objective. Yeah, what I mean, yeah, I think my objective. I I think there's no argument that it's, sentimental yes objectively i think what's well done about it is taking that step is not leaving him as a kid not leaving yeah i as much as i love cartoons where they say the same age i also really respect the decision to age people yeah and i think it it adds a challenge for the writers that they're they lived up to and it adds a thematic depth to the like retrospectively adds a thematic depth to the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is there anything in this movie that you think was not as well done in terms of the craft of movie making? I think I've said kind of already that I don't like the repetitiveness between this one and Toy Story 2. The Buzz losing his memory, the lots of hug and bear feels very similar to the prospector. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know. I liked it. I really liked this movie. So I'm having a hard time thinking of down things. What about you? I think that uh, I don't, this is incredibly nitpicky, but I don't know that I quite buy Bonnie's connection to uh, Mm. Andy. As like, I'm, you're the one I'm going to pass this on to. Like for them, I guess they just wanted to see him actually do it. But for all the emotional, sentimental reasons, like hold it on and hold on to it and pass it on to your kid. Say something about, I want to give it back so I can give these toys I love to my kid. Or like, I don't know what. But I think that for Andy's character, his emotional connection to Bonnie isn't strong enough to really sell that scene. I think she could have been his cousin. Yeah. And that would have been better. That would have been better. 
rather than just a stranger, a virtual stranger who he like walks up to and then spends a whole bunch of time playing with toys in her yard. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He doesn't give them to his younger sister because she's kind of grown out of them, but he does give it to like a younger cousin instead. Like, yeah. I feel like that would have solved some of that issue. Cause if I agree. She was a relative. Yeah. The problem of is that it causes the problem of if she was a relative, then why didn't he give it to her already? Because he's, far too old for these toys he's not just barely grown out of them you know yeah i can oh that that's fine for me i can totally see a teenager who still has that box of toys i still have toys from my childhood yeah so i don't think that's completely out of the question yeah they're definitely kids like that and i was definitely one of them that would have i had like a box of my or even on display on my on my shelves in my room the toys that I still loved from my childhood. The other thing I have to say in terms of lowlights is again, like with a broad interpretation of what counts as low, it's more of a failure to be a highlight is the music. Mm. I don't think the music was bad, but I think the music wasn't, there wasn't a great song in this one. No. The way When Somebody Loved Me in Toy Story 2 is a beautiful and touching song. That is just the greatest song of all time. You've Got a Friend in Me is a beautiful song also in its Mm -hmm. way. I think When Somebody Loved Me is better as a song. But this and this movie doesn't have one. You're right. It doesn't. So that's like calling that a low light. It's more just like that was an opportunity for a highlight that they didn't do. That they didn't land or, or accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Apart from objectively, how much do you like and enjoy this movie? I like it a lot. I don't like it as much as Toy Story 2. But I haven't seen this movie very many times. Mm -hmm. I've seen, like, this maybe only the second, maybe third time I've seen this. Yeah, I guess third time. I saw it when it came out. We watched it with our kids a while ago, and we watched it again now. So... I don't have a strong, like, repetitive watching as I do with the other two. Hmm. But, yeah. I mean, it's Toy Story. What about you? I enjoy this movie quite a lot. And I have a hard time deciding which movie I enjoy more, Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3. Because I think that uh, Toy Story 3 is hitting, uh, is is achieving more emotional truth than Toy Story 2 was. Uh, it's addressing some of the same themes, but it's pushing a little further into them. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that. I like a movie that gets me in the feels, right? Yep, absolutely. And I recognize i don't like a movie that i judge to be manipulative about it and that's what i was saying before is this movie is definitely sentimental i think it's earned its sentiment though uh partly uh partly that sentiment that it brings in from the previous two movies but even on its own merits like this is what is so touching about this movie is what all the partings mean thematically about like growing up is saying goodbye to your childhood and that is a kind of tragedy. Mm. And I like the way that this movie I think successfully is talking about the loss that comes with growing up both from the child's perspective and from the adult's perspective. Mm. Yes. it's, It's handling both of them I think really well. So I look at it and I'm moved by the, I mean, the loss, the mourning that Andy is letting go of his childhood. And he's moving on to something else. Uh, but you don't move on to something else without letting go of what you once had. And that there's a real tragedy to that. And I'm also moved by Andy's mom saying goodbye to her son who has grown up. Yeah. Uh, and I think that... So so I really like this movie a lot. And I think Toy Story 2 made me laugh more. And I think that I maybe had more fun at the movies. But I think this movie moves me more. 
Hmm. And it makes it hard for me to judge which one I enjoy more because I'm enjoying them in a little bit different ways. Hmm. Yeah. I think I like both Toy Story 2 and 3 more than Toy Story 1 without saying anything bad about Toy Story 1. Like, it's great. But I think 3 is better. And you might, I don't know. Disagree. You think 1 is better than 3? I think 1 and 2 are better than 3. I think this is a great movie, but I but I think it's the least of the three of them. Hmm. I just, the emotional arc of When Somebody Loved Me, that entire sequence accomplishes the same thing as this entire movie, if you're talking about emotional impact. Yeah, maybe it does. But this time it's with people that we, uh, toys, that we... I mean, I can see that this time it's Andy. This, this time, time it's this, Andy it's this boy Woody that we've grown and up Buzz with. And it's this boy we knew and it's these toys we knew and it's this like, it makes it in retrospect make Toy Story 2. And Toy Story 2 kind of acknowledges this, this at the time, but Toy Story 2 seems like a stay of execution. And I like that Toy Story 3 is like, this always was coming and mm-hmm. it came. Yeah, it's true. And going on to like play with Bonnie... Uh, is never going to be playing with Andy again. Yeah, it's true. I also like uh, Andy chooses Woody. Yeah. Because of course he does. Of course, course, like Buzz is great and all, but he was a flash in the pan. Woody is his favorite toy. Yeah. And I kind of would have liked it if he had taken Woody off to college, but I understand for the emotional arc of the toys themselves, it's better that he leaves him. Yeah. I would have liked something about, uh, like, I'm, I'm going to want these toys back eventually when I have kids or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. That's kind of what I headcanon. Yeah, me too. I don't, there is a Toy Story 4 in production. Yeah. There has been um, controversy. John Lasseter has been accused of of inappropriate behavior and along with a lot of other men at this point, and we, I believe the victims and it sucks that someone in, especially in children's media is always extra disappointing to me. Yep. Um, plus I just read a story that Rashida Jones was involved in the writing of it and quit because of a toxic environment. Oh, really? So I don't know when Toy Story 4 is going to be produced. It has been apparently been stalled out a bit. Uh, Don Rickles passed away. He's the voice of Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. He had recorded some of his dialogue, but not all. Hmm. So maybe eventually we'll get a Toy Story 4, maybe not. The story of Toy Story 4 in like all that I've heard is it's Buzz and Woody finding Bo Peep. Hmm. So that's the story of that. Okay. Which I guess is a story I feel like I could care less, and I feel dis- I feel disappointed that there's a Toy Story four. To be honest, because this is the end. Because this is the end. This wraps it up so nicely, and Pixar likes to do its sequels and stuff. But I mean, yeah, I don't. I will see Toy Story four absolutely, but I'm kind of disappointed that it's happening. Yeah, I agree. So on that note, should we get into the way 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 part of our show? Let's. Where do you want to start talking about this movie seriously? Some might say slightly too seriously. There are several things to talk about. There sure are. Do we want to talk about the social things or... Start with something with a a philosophical concept within the movie. Let's start with the uh, social justice perspective. Sounds good. Because I have a couple of things to say. So, well, okay, let's start with Barbie. Do you want to start with Barbie? I would love to start with Barbie. We talked about her a lot in, when we talked about Toy Story 2, we talked about Barbie quite a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like they fixed some of the things with Barbie. Mm -hmm. They certainly made her way more intelligent. And I quite enjoy that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, was she unintelligent in Toy Story 2? In some ways, she had this relentless optimism that was kind of uh, plays as airheaded. Uh, I guess our problem with her in Toy Story 2 was the reaction to yes. her, not her herself. Exactly, yeah. That's my memory. I haven't re-listened to our episode on Toy Story 2, but my memory of my criticism of Barbie in Toy Story 2 was more how people are reacting to her than to her. And she still gets, you know, to, uh, Ken is very objectifying of her. But she but uses that to her advantage. Exactly. I was going to say that. And she also is like, oh, Ken, it's like you're made for me. And then she is the one who ends up uh, navigating that for good reasons. I have a, I really like, once again, I really like Barbie. Jodie Benson Ariel of The Little Mermaid is so good, I think, as Barbie. Mm -hmm. I love her performance in this movie as well as in Toy Story 2. It is really, really, really uh, likable and also hilarious. There's a moment that's genuinely funny where... uh, Lots of hugging bear is like, hey, I'm going to lead the, I'm in charge of everything, whatever, come back and do as you're told because you have to. And Barbie says, authority should derive from the consent of the governed, not from the threat of force. <laughs> and it's a great line and it's hilarious. <laughs> Part of why that's funny is that it's a juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. So we don't expect her to say something smart. Yes. I'm my criticism based on that is mild because I would much like they're subverting it and saying like, it's on you if you assume that she's dumb just because she's Barbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly. But I think there is partly a, um, isn't it funny to have a, a, a dumb character say something smart and what makes her dumb? The fact that she's a girl. I guess so. I felt like it was more sub- just subversive yeah. to have her say that line. And everyone reacts to it as if like, what? I think I think basically the joke is on us yeah. for being, uh, for assuming less of her. Yeah, I think so. It's a funny line. It's a funny moment and a funny line. Yeah, it's a great moment. I love it. There is um, a lot of default male. There sure is. In this, again, like we were just talking about the chatter phone Mm -hmm. and I realized him, I started calling it him and it is, it's got a male voice and there's absolutely no reason for it to. A lot of the new toys coming in are male. Even Bonnie's room, there's a handful of toys the dinosaur that's Kristen Shaw is female, the Triceratops. But the hedgehog is male. Is the unicorn a male actor? I don't remember. I don't remember either. But there's Chuckles the Clown. So, like... Dolly is female. Dolly's female. You can have a couple of girl toys because it's a girl room. But all of Andy's toys are male except Bo Peep and eventually Jesse who comes in from the outside and was a girl's toy once. Whereas in a girl's room, half the toys are male. Because hmm. you couldn't have all female toys in a girl's room, but you could have all male toys in a boy's room. Yeah. So the, like, the, de- the uh, explanation, in-world explanation of like, well, but he imagines them male because he's male. Well, but they don't think that a girl would imagine all her toys female. Absolutely. Uh, Buttercup the unicorn is voiced by Jeff Garland. So there you go. I thought so. Yeah. I didn't think i didn't remember i shouldn't say i thought so because i didn't remember but when you say jeff garland i recognized his voice at the time i just couldn't remember that it was him yeah having said that default maleness though this movie is less default male than toy story one was that is also true because of mrs potato head and barbie and uh the and bonnie Mm -hmm. instead of a little boy it's a little girl and the uh, Kristen Schaal Triceratops. I don't know if we are given her name. And Dolly. And there are not half. 
but more than we got in Toy Story 1. Yes, absolutely. Oh, and the, the baby doll. Oh, yeah. Is she? Is she? Yeah. She's definitely called she. Okay. Big baby. Big baby. She's only ever called big baby. I don't remember a pronoun. There was a pronoun. Definitely a she pronoun. But the monkey is he. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a default maleness assumed. They also um, mock Ken for being a girl's toy. Mr. Softy over here. What do you expect from a girl's toy? I'm not a girl's toy. I'm not. Why do you guys keep saying that? Which I found a problem. Yeah. And like, they're all sitting around. You have this like kind of robot and this rock monster, this octopus. And they're like, Ken, you're a boy toy. When like, you're a girl toy. When any one of them could be a girl toy. Not that there are girl and boy toys. Yeah, and it's worse. There's two problems I see with that. I think yeah. the same thing. They're two different problems, both kind of big problems with that scene and their treatment of Ken, right? One is, you're a girl toy. We're boy toys. There's a difference. It's an important difference. And the other one is, you know, he's incompetent in some way. Well, what would you expect from a girl toy? Yeah. Like, it's a girl toy is less than a girl toy is not as good. And it's something to be ashamed of. And he's like, no, I'm not. How dare you accuse me of such a terrible thing? When like, mm-hmm. sure. Why would that be a problem? Now they are established in this scene as bad guys. Yeah. But it's still there. It's still there announcing to the audience that there is a girl toy and there is a boy toy. And, and the girl toys to aren't ashamed. as good. Yep. And aren't as and then when uh, at the end, when they get a letter from the preschool and they're reading it and Buzz is like, wow, Barbie has some nice handwriting. And they're like, the Barbie didn't write it. Ken did. And everyone's like, what? And it's like boys uh, the, joke, nice I suppose, the joke, I suppose, is that his handwriting is neat and that is somehow uh, effeminate. And also effeminate means uh, he has less value. Mm hmm. Like, that's some garbage. Yeah. He is in his love of clothing and his dance, his whole dance scene, he's kind of coded gay. Except for the fact that he ends up with Barbie. Yeah, I don't think he's coded gay. He's He's encoded feminine, feminine, right? And that's that's very much played off as a joke, played as a, a, you know, something to be ashamed of, something to be embarrassed of. And that is... A gross message. Yeah. To give to kids. I kind of think that the fashion show moment I liked. Mm -hmm. uh, Me too. when he's alone with Barbie, he's not ashamed. And they're like, no one appreciates clothes here, Barbie. No one. All of that I found really funny and also found no problem with it as Mm -hmm. they were portraying it. That like, he likes clothes. No one understands him. He finally found someone who understands him because she's a clothes doll. Well, what's... The I, funny thing about watching this Barbie and Ken, all the Barbie and Ken parts, is there's this other TV show called Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse, and it reminds me so much of that. And we have watched that with our kids and found it really funny because it's like, it's a Barbie show, but they're actually dolls. And it's basically like a kid playing with dolls and a lot of, and but a reality show about Barbie. And yeah, this I think kind Barbie of Life in the Dreamhouse is a way better show than I expected it to be based on what it is called. Yep, exactly. And this, this Ken reminds me of Ken from that show. Yeah. And that's why it's the handwriting joke is the grossest joke in the movie. Absolutely. In terms of gender, gender. I think. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, there's no, nothing redeemable about it. Mm-hmm. It's all just, like... Ew. And they, they, I think they even say, like, yuck or ew. Like, he has nice handwriting. Yeah, exactly. Which means girly handwriting, which means bad, and he's a bad person and is gross. Yeah. You assumed he was a girl. How, like, yeah, how awful. And I see, like, we could talk about, I think we won't more than this, more than one little thing. But it's a thing. Why is girly handwriting a thing? 
girls, uh, kids don't develop their handwriting the way they did once upon a time, but I teach, I mark exams and my students write an exam out by hand. And most of the time you can tell, uh, young man's handwriting from a young woman's handwriting because the young woman's handwriting is neat. Why is that a thing? Because it is. And the reasons why that's a thing are because girls are taught to value how things look and uh, making things neat and orderly and presenting themselves, you know, in a... uh, It's the same as makeup. (laughs) You present Mm. yourself in as appealing a package as you can so that people will admire your appearance. Yeah. In every part of your life. And that's what Ken does, and it is uh, shameful. Yes, absolutely. That is what it's saying. Yeah. Do you want to talk any... I mean, like, in terms of sexuality, there's some heteronormativity in that, like... Barbie and Ken end up together. I'm willing to be fairly, uh, to be fairly easy on that part. Mm-hmm. Buzz and Jesse have their love re- interest relationship. It's very mild. It's very I mild. I appreciate it because it's very mild and very like, I like that Jesse <laughs> likes Buzzfeed when he speaks, when he does his whole Spanish thing. Yeah. Because he, uh, treats her romantically. Mm-hmm. But and I don't, I don't love Buzz rescuing Jesse. No, at one point because Jesse is a very strong. Uh, She's hyper competent, right? Competent. That's the word I'm looking for. She's a very competent person, toy, whatever. And to have Buzz rescue her makes her lo- loses that, and I didn't really like that. Yeah, I. I kind of liked their uh, relationship better in this movie than in Toy Story 2, where there's a lot of innuendo in the way that Buzz reacts to her. Yes. Um, but I didn't like the whole part where he, you know, carries her in his arms like a damsel in distress, That like of all characters in this movie who aren't in distress. Yeah. Jesse yeah. is a hero. Absolutely. They should have subverted that and had her carry Buzz out. Yes. That would have been way better. And also totally in character for her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's absolutely not a damsel. So what else in this movie stands out? I mean, race, that's super white. Well, Bonnie's skin tone is darker than Andy's. Yes, that's true. Ah. And there are, the kids are not monochromatic, the kids in the daycare. Yes, that's true. The actors of the toys are all very white. Yeah, as far as I know. As far as I know. I'm not, I mean, all the major ones are anyway. Mm -hmm. Is there anything in terms of uh, racial stereotyping? Is there anything worth talking about with Spanish buzz? Yes. I have to say, I probably would have found this more problematic, like, three months ago than I do now. Because you've watched Jane the Virgin? Because since then, I've watched Jane the Virgin and have become acquainted with at least Jane the Virgin's depiction of telenovelas in a way that I wasn't really aware of before. Like, I knew they existed, but I wasn't immersed in them at all. Mm-hmm. And through Jane the Virgin, I kind of have been. And Spanish Buzz could easily be a character played by Rogelio de la Vega. Yes, that is true. And maybe, and I don't know, like, who is doing the voice of Spanish Buzz? It's not Tim Allen. No, I have no idea. Because if it's Tim Allen or a white person, I'll be disappointed and also find it problematic. But I don't think it is. Who, do you no, know? No, I, f- I found it. It's uh, Javier Fernandez Pina. And he is uh, the voice of Buzz in Spanish dubbed, in Latin American dubbed. Awesome. Yeah. So, like, it it is such a now with a more informed eye than I would have had a couple of months ago. I see it as like such a clear reference to telenovela, uh, to, you know, Latin stereotypes in general, but specifically telenovela characters. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then played by a Latin American actor, I have a lot less problems with it than I might have. How about you? What do you think of it? Yeah, I definitely, I agree that I have less problems with it than I, than I would have, but I do find it's very, it's still pretty stereotyped that the minute he turns Spanish, suddenly he's a Latin lover and that. To a child watching this who is bilingual, which there are plenty of kids who speak Spanish and English, uh-huh. especially in the U.S., um, to have him suddenly speak Spanish and his entire personality changes because That's he speaks true. Spanish. Why? Why would his entire personality change just because he speaks a different language? That's a That's a fair point. So... To say to kids who speak two languages, you know, when you're speaking English, you're being normal. When you speak, when you go into Spanish, you're weird and your personality is completely different and can change. Just that's, to take it way too seriously. No, that's a fair point. I don't know. I don't know why I'm pushing back because I don't think that there's anything you said that's, uh, that I disagree with at all. I'd maybe say that Buzz is never really normal. Good point. <laughs> yep, that's also true. <laughs> uh, he's a stereotype of a, like, he's Galaxy Quest. He's, yeah. I mean, he's uh, not Galaxy. Tim Allen is Galaxy Quest. I know, like. He's Star Trek. Did we talk about this in uh, Toy Story 1? How much Tim Allen is Galaxy Quest and Buzz Lightyear is exactly his character from Galaxy Quest? Which Galaxy Quest came after after Toy Story. Yeah. Did it come before Toy Story 3? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But Galaxy Quest is 99, which okay. is the same year as Toy Story 2. Hmm. He does well at that character. <laughs> mm-hmm. He does. <laughs> is there any other, anything else about this movie that you want to uh, find issue with? That you want to, anything else problematic about this movie you want to draw attention to? Because as far as I'm concerned, I feel like the thing that made me most uh, upset was Ken's handwriting. Mm -hmm. And Ken's depiction in general had issues. Yes, I agree. And then the the Latin buzz, which I think you've persuaded me is more of a problem again. Um, Other than that, I don't see anything else that I think I want to find serious issue with how about you no i don't think so i wanted to talk about something a bit more on the philosophical end of serious what is the deal with mr potato head and his soul do you know what i mean explain what you mean okay like i don't know if soul is the right word but his personality his essentialness he's a potato plastic head but it was parts but he can go and put those parts on a tortilla and still talk and have his own personality and on like a cucumber or a zucchini or whatever so like it's his existence in his parts but if one of those parts is missing is he still well i think it is pretty clear that his plastic body is not where his essence lies. Yes. It can be used or disposed of. And that pretty much is what we see in Mr. Potato Heads as toys, too. Mm-hmm. You can throw away the plastic body. You can stick the thing. You can stick his face on a real potato as original Mr. Potato Heads were sold. Yes. And he would still be the same Mr. Potato Head. Now, How many individual parts would he have to lose not to be alive anymore? That is an interesting question because we do see very clearly, that Mrs. Potato Head loses an eye, and that eye is still connected to her consciousness. Mm -hmm. She can still see through that eye. If those parts were destroyed in the furnace, how many of those parts have to be destroyed before they stop having consciousness? Now, when Mrs. Potato Head, when uh, Lotso Hugging Bear pulls Mrs. Potato Head's mouth off her, the mouth does not continue to talk. Hmm. But occasionally Mr. Potato Head's mouth does talk off, apart from his body. Yeah. Um. So, there's also, like, they switch parts sometimes. Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head get their parts switched by the kids and then switch them back. Because, and especially notable 
was he said, here's your arm. Mm-hmm. Which, like, their eyes are visibly different, their mouths are visibly different, but their arms don't appear to be different. But to them, they clearly are. Yeah, they know wh- whose arm belongs to who. It's an interesting quandary. Mm-hmm. Does the essential potato headness dwell in all parts equally? I would say And therefore, no. you have to destroy every bit of a potato head to destroy its entire consciousness. I'm going to posit that Mr. Potato Head's consciousness dwells in his mustache. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Disagree. Because without it, he's not recognizable. I mean, this is a question of identity, right? And this is... Uh, identity politics and philosophies of identity what is necessary for someone to be a self mm-hmm. this is also the uh whoever's boat theseus theseus's boat would you want to tell us about theseus's boat if you take a boat and a bit of it breaks and you replace it and then another bit of it breaks and you replace it until you've replaced every bit of that boat is it still the same boat so if Mr. Potato Head loses an ear and they buy a replacement ear. Does he retain his personality? It's an interesting question. It seems to me like the his consciousness, I said as a joke that it dwells in his mustache, but my more serious answer is what you were saying. I think it is an amalgam of all his parts together as a collective, and that if you removed his ear and replaced it with a different ear, that would change his identity slightly Mm -hmm. much in a comparable way to how your life experiences change your identity and who you are and there's a continuity between them but at the same time you're not the same person that you were when you were 20 uh mr potato head would not be the same person the same potato head if you replaced what his part threw it away and gave him a new part, but there would still be enough continuity that he would like, he would be different and yet the same. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I like the idea of it's like when you grow up, you're not, yeah, definitely not the same person I was when I was 20. And yet in another sense you are. Yep. And our cells are in our, bo- in our own bodies are, are constantly replenishing themselves. And so we are constantly changing in a way as well. Exactly. And if you changed it all abruptly, that would be more than you could bear. But you can replace every part of your body slightly Mm -hmm. and continue to be the same. I mean, this is a question that, uh, you know, I once took a literary criticism class where we were talking philosophically. And the question came up, like, if I take a cat and I replace its, like Theseus's boat, but with a cat, I take a cat, I put its brain in the body of a dog and then I take that the a dog's brain and put it in that body of a cat in the body of a dog is it still a cat <laughs> basically a cat with the body of a dog and the brain of a dog and well, the answer essentially is well of course because you started off by saying if I take a cat mm-hmm. anything that follows from that is still a cat because that's your starting premise if I take Mr. Potato Head and I replace some parts, is he still Mr. Potato Head? Yes, that's the thing you started by saying. <laughs> All right, then. I don't know if I totally buy that as a statement of uh, philosophical ontology, but it's an interesting thought experiment. Why are we always doing things to cats? We're taking cats, we're putting them in boxes where they're alive or dead. There's lots we're, of ways we're to replacing skin them. Their, there's, yeah, exactly. Poor cats. It's because secretly everyone hates cats because they think they're better than us. Love cats so much. <laughs> well, is this movie good? Is it seriously good? I think it's definitely good. Yep. Definitely good. I think it's seriously good. It has issues. Uh, the Ken's handwriting, especially. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think in overall, my judgment, that's not enough to poison the whole movie. I think that there's enough. The way it deals with really, in really, um, I think, fruitful and helpful ways. It deals with the idea of maturity and... Uh, attachment to the past but letting go of the past those are 
seriously in a philosophical rather than in a social justice sense. Yeah. But it deals with them, I think, really well. Mm -hmm. And then it has some, it absolutely has improved in social justice terms over, I think, either of the previous Toy Story movies. Yes, I totally agree. But I'm willing to call it seriously good or at least medium good. Yeah, I, I think I think it's both good and seriously good. I'll agree with that. Hooray! Toy Story 3! <laughs> so that's our take on the three Toy Story movies on Way Too Seriously. If there's a fourth one, we will definitely record on it. Yeah, and you can go back and listen. I don't think that our Toy Story 2 one is so early in the history of Way Too Seriously that I can't remember what we said. But it Me was probably neither. great because you were there. Absolutely. <laughs> you mean like me? I was there. I mean, or, or our listeners. Oh, I thought you meant like our listeners were there. Our yeah. five listeners. It was, um, it was probably great because you, Jan, were there. And you oh. said, that was your cue to say, it was great because you were there. And but no, you, you missed the moment. And because you no, were there, Paul. You the I love you. You missed it. <laughs> You're great. I love you. You missed it. Best. Too late. All right. Missed that moment. Too bad. <laughs> if you want to. Whoa. If you want to talk to us about the Toy Story movies and Pixar movies and all that jazz, you can do that on Twitter at mm-hmm. WTSCast. You can email us way too seriously cast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and, I mean, I already said Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Instabook, Facegram. I don't remember all the social medias, including Reddit. And those are li- linked in our show notes, which are in your podcast catcher of choice, I assume. Mm-hmm. If you like our show, give it a thumbs up, or I guess thumbs up is for Facebook, stars are for rating? Five stars. Five stars, those star things. Or Make more. sure there's all of them. Five. And if you like us and want to hear our melodious voices just a little bit more, mm-hmm. you can... Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast, and you get an extra bonus trivia episode for every episode of WTS. Yay! Yay! So, I've been Jan Moffat. I've been Paul Moffat. And make sure that you do not ever throw away any of your toys because they feel pain and loneliness and they have souls and you monster. And don't replace any of Mr. Potato Head's parts with random other parts. I guess, because that's important. Or do. Give him a life experience. Stick some Play-Doh in him. Uh